I'm Jean Reef. And I'm Kyle Thompson. And you're listening to General Intellect Unit. And this time we are reading an article called Agile and the Long Crisis of Software by Miriam Posner, which was published in March of 2022 in Logic Magazine. Um, it's a rather fun little article that kind of goes over the history of Agile as a software development-like management methodology, but specifically looks at it from this angle of like management discipline and like labor discipline, I guess, and the uh, the various attempts of management and capital to impose its will on on the workers. Um, so you know, refreshing, yes. refreshing kind of a perspective. Yeah, yeah. Uh... It's it's kind of akin to uh, of course the the Graeber article uh, <laughs> flying cars and the falling rate of profit, but yeah, it comes at it more from the angle of like this specific labor process and this specific set of workers and this specific, of course, uh, you know, ideology of agile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it, it's just such a nice take as well, because like I, I come from the software world and like Agile is just the fucking water you swim in there. Um, and like this, this is not the kind of article you're going to get in Wired magazine or something. It's it's this is the kind of thing that only gets published in Logic, you know. Um, so I, I, I just like having these these takes on this sort of stuff. Um, so, uh, Kyle, have you been exposed to Agile in any like practical way? Yeah, like... I, let me think. Yes, I have, uh, I worked in an agile workplace when I was doing uh, video games journalism. Right. Yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, that was the whole thing. It was, you know, all Trello boards and everything like that. Uh, Oh, shit. So like this thing has, it's contaminated other industries. Like it's not just a software thing anymore. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, though I think it is, you know, it, it does have a certain orientation towards delivering a very particular kind of service. Um, that means that it hasn't like spread to like every part of <laughs> the, uh, the economy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess not. Um, but I, I don't know, like, that's, that's an, it's an interesting kind of angle, and it's, a, it's an interesting, like, it, it's kind of reminded me of that, that, that impression that, like, um, you know, it's like, it, it, there's that, that old saying that, like, software was eating the world or whatever, and, like, I think in many ways, like, the practices of the tech industry and, like, the way things are done there has also started to colonize the rest of the world in really weird ways, and in part by the fact that we now export our tools you know, to, yes, exactly. to everywhere else. Like every, every, like lawyers are using Git now for some fucking reason, you know, this kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the main thing is, uh, the availability of these tools, uh, and the sort of way that everybody has been habituated to like turning to a online tool set, uh, for organization, um, means that, like, yeah, these things sort of slowly filter down uh, or filter out to uh, non-tech organizations. Um, and also, of course, you know, these these tech organizations have enormous uh, bureaucracies that work with them. Uh, and so through those bureaucracies, 
um, and people's like working experiences there, but also like, you know, sort of like trade conferences, all that kind of stuff. Uh, these practices do spread out to other bureaucracies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Through, through osmosis or through like that, that thing where ants vomit in each other's mouths to like communicate or whatever. That's like, that's how that happens in the business world. <laughs> Yeah, that's what that's what cons are. Yeah, <laughs> cons yeah. and uh, uh, like work meetups. Yeah, it's yeah, it's trophallaxis for um for for um, MBAs. Yeah. Oh shit, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, the article kicks off with the the author's kind of like first encounter with Agile, like working at a library and like the um the software developers that worked there had these like really impressive kind of like this this impressive set of terminology about like user stories and and stand-ups and sprints and all this kind of fucking cool stuff and like they seemed to be able to deliver things really fast and you know they were they were adaptive like you know if there was some kind of a roadblock or some kind of kind of problem they were like yeah fine whatever we'll deal with it and you know they'd, they'd route around it you know um all very mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very cool you know this this um and what they were doing was agile you know this new cool way of doing things that was designed for for speed and flexibility and and the thing that they note very early on is that like it, it's oriented around developers breaking down tasks into these tiny units um and then and then chewing through them as fast as possible um and and doing this very adaptive um, sort of process of, uh, of of like feedback and deep engagement with their stakeholders and all that cool stuff, right? Which then leads the author to kind of like dig into the history of Agile. What the hell is this thing, uh, and where did it come from? Yeah, um, I mean, beer isn't mentioned in this history, but you can definitely see where his work was influential on the people who came up with this stuff. Like in terms of uh, his emphasis on sort of continuous planning. Um, as opposed to uh, uh, staged planning, uh, which you I guess is more of the waterfall paradigm, um, uh, like the the sort of five year plan paradigm. Um, there's obviously things in agile that were not adapted for beer, like or, or and also things that <laughs> like they missed that were, are very important for sort of like beer's conception of viability. Um, but, uh, yeah, you can, you know, I've, I've heard that like in the Valley, it wasn't that uncommon to sort of see uh, some of Beer's work lying around. And I would be very surprised if the people who came up with Agile hadn't read him. Yeah. There's, there's a suspicious similarity and there's, there's glaring omissions as well, which I guess we can talk over later, but, um, it, it, Agile, once you become familiar with beer and his cybernetics, like Agile starts to strike you as like baby's first cybernetics, you know, it's like this, this kind of like, uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of, yeah, it's an attempt to start on some of this kind of stuff, but then like it, um, it does have some pretty big holes in it that, um, and, and then like the, I guess the, the more, the, the thing with the piece is that like, um, these, these attempts to get kind of like worker autonomy by doing this style of like management, can't really pan out because the, 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 the ultimate kind of autonomy or the, the authority is still reserved by management anyway. Um, so that, that autonomy is always curtailed. Um, and that's, that's the, the fatal, the fatal kind of thing from a Berean perspective, I guess, you know, um, and that's why you need revolution. Um, yeah. I mean, it also has some other problems that we'll probably get to as we talk through this. Um, but yeah, the, the history, history of agile, yeah, the uh, the history of this long slap fight between engineers and management. Um, 
and the um the, the there's a thing that kind of note like that it's it's a kind of story of like um management like desperately trying to wrangle and tame the 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 processes of of software development which turn out to be kind of untamable um and you know there's all kinds of kinds of um attempts by management to impose order on a kind of basically like kind of highly unordered sort of process because like one of the problems with software engineering is often that like you're, you're usually doing something quite new because if, if you're not doing something new it's already been automated and you just reuse the automation like and, and like in some in some instances like if you're doing I don't know if you're working at like a WordPress consultancy sort of thing maybe you're doing basically the same drag and drop sort of stuff day in day out but like it's more common to just actually automate things and so in in software development and like developing these kinds of products it's you're often kind of just tripping over new problems kind of and like unforeseen things fairly constantly which kind of it scuppers a lot of these attempts to formalize everything and to have management be able to like specify everything down to the last iota and that's what eventually kind of steers towards agile of like well we have to we have to adaptively deal with these these kind of things but even then, the desire still remains, right? Like, managers are still managers. They still want that kind of, like, they still have that psychotic investment in that kind of control. Yes. And I, I think a lot of software development is new stuff, but it's actually, like, it's true you can automate away specific tasks once a set of code has been created, but a lot of what developers do is kind of like almost how would I say this like it's sort of like brokerage work where like you have all of these code bases and agendas that are constantly shifting and you're the person who has to like translate and reconcile between them um and because like this is this this constant change is happening and it needs constant readjustment rearticulation uh retranslation reformulation um it's it's very uh unruly uh it, 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 like the you can't neatly define the parameters of the problem and then expect the code that you develop to be functional, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, and like, um, there's there's a kind of another way I think to think of it that is, is very similar, right? That like, um, even if it's the, your fifth time as a team doing like an invoicing app or something like that, the, th the thing is that like every time you do this and for every different kind of like client, they have their own pile of bullshit to deal with. And so the bullshit is new every time. And so it's like, okay, this isn't my first rodeo when it terms comes in terms to like read some values out of a CSV file or whatever. Oh, but it turns out this isn't actually a CSV file. It's some other horseshit that a fucking mainframe yes. vomited out. And you're like, oh my God, I have to combine that with this yes. other bullshit, you know? And so the novelty is often not novel, but it's novelty still. Yeah, and then... And then it's stuff like, oh, the uh, storage API changed and this library did a new version which broke compatibility. So now we have to decide if we want to run on the old one or if we want to run on the new one. If we run on the new one, it means we have to refactor this and this and this. 
so like it's it's very much like uh keeping the ship of theseus going <laughs> yes exactly right um and you can see you can see why a certain degree of agility would be necessary for that kind of task um and why why trying to plan out the entire process while the ship is in dock yeah it may not may not actually work you know um but let's let's get on to the the, the some of the first sections here. Uh, turning weirdos into engineers, um, in which the author kind of goes over this like goes back to the fifties when the, there was kind of an awareness of like um, a kind of cr- a crisis in software. Like and this kind of gets to the, some of the title here, the long crisis of software. It turns out this 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 whole field has just been crisis after crisis all the way through. Um, but there was an early sort of crisis in like the lack of trained programmers and like the kind of awareness that we, there just aren't enough of these people around to um, to make this this industry actually work. Yeah, it was because they came at it from this perspective of like once the um, electronics, mechanical, and systems engineers had done their jobs, the programming should be trivial. Uh, right? Like it should be like, oh, okay, you know, all the systems have been planned out, the fundamentals are working. So you kind of just, you know, the, the computer does exactly what you tell it to do. So you just, you know, write it down and, and run it and, and that's it. The the hard part is making the machine and, and the, 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 the systems engineering, right? Not the coding. Yeah. Uh, it was secretarial work, you know? That's how it was seen. Exactly. Like, I'm surprised the article didn't mention that, but this is why it was woman's work. Yeah, because it was seen in the same vein as uh, secretarial work. It was like a a work of transcription is how it was conceived, right? It wasn't creative work at all. It wasn't even engineering work. It was just secretarial work. You know, women be coding, you know, as we all know. Um, and so that, that's why it's kind of funny when, like, um, I don't know, people are kind of amazed that, like, oh, you know, uh, Admiral Grace Hopper and this kind of stuff, or, like, that a lot of the early pioneers were women. It's like, yeah, because it was not seen as very fucking, like, in- enticing work, you know? It was, it was relegated to being women's work. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? exactly. But then that whole fucking paradigm ran aground on the fact that it's actually really hard to develop software because it's in, it is actually intellectually demanding and that that like transcription paradigm just doesn't work out you know um, it's it, so in 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 my field we call that a load bearing should like that it, it should be easy to do this and it's like ah yeah let me kick, uh, let yes. me kick the sword <laughs> from under that you know um, yeah <laughs> um, and so but the, the, that that like. The, it's it's interesting to see this go back so far that like the the intellectual demands of this work like baffled management in those days and still baffle management today. Like managers today still don't know why you're telling them that it'll take a month to do that. You know they just have no instinctive. Kind of, but like, you know, another engineer will will be like, oh yeah, of course that's going to be a bullshit kind of task. You know, and it's going to spiral out of control and go nuts. You know, um, but you know. So this is a constant, right, through this, that, like, the, the conflict between the workers and management and the, like, as I said, the kind of psychotic desire of management to control everything and kind of specify everything down to the last iota is one of these long-running tensions in the industry. Yes, 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 absolutely. Yeah, uh, so th- so we kind of, like, skip over the whole part where, like, women were pushed out of the industry, 
Um, and we get to sort of this next era of computer labor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, right? Like, it's the um, it's the long-haired weirdos era of, like, um, which, again, is kind of framed in this terms of, like, that the, you know, electronic data processing was getting to be very important for businesses, and, of course, the suits, like, hated the computer guys, you know, who, um, who, who kind of kept... We're all talking about, uh, you know being all watched over by machines of love and grace. Um, yeah, exactly right. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's uh yeah, it's 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 uh, it's it's that right the right kind of time frame, right? Um yeah, that that resentment is really deep there and like um there's then this kind of push to um they, they, like management really wants developers to stop being so fucking weird, you know. And to, like, not, like, because at, at this point, like, you have this admission that the act of developing software is much more of an art than it is a science. And there's this kind of, like, expressive quality and an almost poetic kind of quality to the way software development is dealt with here. Like, it's the kind of golden age of Unix weirdness and, and shit like that. Um, but they really want to knock that out of them. So this is where the term software engineer is invented, right? Like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's stealing valor from civil engineering. <laughs> And from mechanical and electronic engineering and trying to apply it, just trying to paint it onto the task of software. And yeah, it's, it's, it's very much like, um, one of those, uh, ideological mislabelings, like, uh, the computer science department or, uh, the software engineer, uh, you know, like basically labeling these things aspirationally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we wish, we wish this was like engineering. We wish this was like a science so that it, it could be, uh, it could be law-like and therefore uh, mu- uh, easier to simplify. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> I kind of, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a real clear kind of imposition from above and from outside, right? Because and you, you can still kind of detect this in in a lot of the um the writing on on software engineering that like or you know software development that like you have that kind of split between you know the, the thing is called the computer science department, but then you go in there and the terminology they terminology they use is like Turing's revolver and shit like that, you know, just like these very <laughs> these very poetic metaphors and like weird kind of like concepts that are like or to the supposedly scientific or like, you know, church's basilisk or whatever, this kind of fucking crazy stuff. Like, um, you know, there's a big split there and like the, um, they really try hard to make, make it kind of live up to this engineering thing, which I mean, spoiler in the end doesn't work out. Um, and we even today have this big split, this kind of big like split of like, what should we call ourselves? And like, there's most, even if, even if your official title is software engineer, like for most programmers they just they're like we're not fucking engineers you know it's just not the right right name for what we do you know um yeah yeah not really not at all uh i i think it's it's i remember i remember like talking to people in the cs department back when i was in university and like they very much did succeed in giving them the engineer mindset. But I think that was probably at the expense of making them like 
good coders. <laughs> yeah, definitely right. Um, actually, hold on. So, th- th- have have you ever read Disciplined Minds by by Schmidt? Uh, no, no, that, no that's no. fucking excellent. And I think we need to read it for the show uh, at some point. But like, the kind of gist of the book is that like. Um, education and like professionalization kind of like takes in people and filters them and chews them up and so so that like it kind of selects for and it it either tries to mold you or like select for like traits like assignable curiosity you know where like the, the 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 subject is is creative and curious but in a very assignable kind of way that they can they can kind of be dictated to and that the the creative like free-spirited weirdos get filtered out and and get ejected from the process and that you know he goes into how this ties in with capital and like military industrial complexes and all that kind of shit but like it's a very this article reminded me a lot of disciplined minds um so that's yeah that makes a lot of a lot of sense totally Mm -hmm. yeah we should probably read that that's a really good book um but in the meantime and yeah so like at this point in history that like they're trying to impose order on the black art of programming, like it, the black art of programming has to make way for the science of software engineering. Um, I mean, yeah, have a go, but like, it ain't going to work. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is where waterfall comes into it, right? Because it's, it's the kind of management methodology that suits this kind of software engineering mindset and this, this attempt, right? Um, or, yeah, it's like the, I mean, it's kind of, not a coincidence that like sort of the paradigm for water waterfall working is like NASA software development uh, because this is really built on like the ideas of like constructing a massive ship or, you know, some, some kind of enormous machine uh, is, is sort of the paradigm that they're working in here. Um, and so happen it just so happens that it does actually work reasonably well for building a massive ship, but most software does not work to build massive ships. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because because like I mean, if you're building a if you're building a space rocket, like there's there's kind of like there's a definitive launch point, and everything has to be done before then, and there's there's no real room for learning as you go along, like as, as the challenger thing pro- uh, proves. Yeah. And, 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 and sort of learning as you go is not really an option. Right? Not an option at all. Right. Um, and necessarily then there's this huge, like hierarchical kind of like attempt to plan fucking everything down to the last iota and get every subsystem aligned with every other subsystem. And I mean, yeah, you get to launch a spaceship. It's great. But one of the problems with software is that, like, often you're not building something that has a definitive launch like that. You're often building something that needs constant iteration anyway. Even if there is, like, a, a launch, you're going to want to be iterating on it after the fact. And then the in, the interface between a space rocket and its environment is actually quite slim, right? Like, the it, it interfaces with four people, the crew. It interfaces with a single physical system, which is the atmosphere. And then it it interfaces with gravity. Like, there's there's not much it actually interfaces with, but... If you're building a software system that's used by a lot of people and is used in many contexts, it's like surface area is huge. Like it's it's contact with the world is enormous. And that kind of means that like, you know, because you can do ballistics and like pin down the exact behaviors of a spaceship because it has so little going on, like that's tractable. But then trying to plan out the ultimate invoicing system 
that's going to be used by hundreds of thousands of people, you, you just don't have enough information at the start to know what the best kind of outcome actually is. And so, yeah, there's, there's just incongruences there right from the start. That means that this, this way of doing things can't really work out. Yeah, and so the, the 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 thing that management really wanted here was to have managers who would be like the officers, and then they would just give orders to the software engineers, and the engineers would just do what they were told. Exactly. Um, it's, it's like Borg-style so fascism, where, like, you know, the, the Borg drones are just fucking drones, but, like, the Borg queen is a real person who gets to decide things and issue yeah, orders. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they, wanted to, they wanted to maintain that distinction between the office and the shop floor, right? Um, that that yeah. was that was the drive. It was it was you know. I mean, for all the bullshit else kind of spin, but like, oh, it's actually the best way to do things. It's the best way. To, it's it's just fucking labor discipline. <laughs> That's all it boils down to. Um, yeah, yeah. It, like it is a organizational logic, but if you think about it for five minutes, it's really not a very appropriate one. <laughs> Yeah, it's only something that could really be appealing to um, managers or to people who are just sort of enamored with the idea of a kind of like, yeah, Borg-like, you know, specified social order. Yeah, yeah, like... um. Like when we when we read the Norbert Wiener, he kind of he um he draws a distinction between human beings and ants, right? Like, but he 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 sees that some human beings really really want humans to be ants because of that desire for control, and that that's that's what's going on here. Like, it's it's this pathological desire for a different kind of species, frankly. Because <laughs> like ants are basically three D printed little robots that don't really have much variation amongst themselves, but human beings are extremely complex nervous systems with you know, explosive variety. And that, 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 like, fascist desire for absolute control and that, that desire for people to be Borg-like or to be Ant-like is this kind of just desire. It, it's an actual, like, it's a hatred for humanity itself, really. Um, that we... Yeah, 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 totally. Um, the... So with this in place, then, like, the, the industry, it just keeps hitting crisis after crisis, right? Like, um, one of them is that there just, there just aren't enough, like people being qualified in this like strict engineer kind of role to actually fill out the ranks that are that are that are needed right like that um yeah because the the labor demand for this job is just like it just it's out of control it just keeps growing and growing and growing because like essentially the whole thing about tech is taking sectors of the economy colonizing them and replacing everything you can with software. Um, and so that's incredibly labor intensive to like, you know, observe an area, find out how it could be turned into software, make it user, like make it usable, maintain it and dis distribute it. Right. Oh, hugely. Right. And, and you need, you need fleets of fucking developers to like, actually build the thing and so like it, it, the it, the qualification stuff just wasn't keeping up with this um in parallel you have like um 
the problem that stems from that thing you described, where software was eating the world, it was starting to just consume more and more of the economy, that this just the scale had changed, right? Like in the 1950s and 1960s, like you're, you're building these, like what they, the, um, they're quoting from someone here, but like ti- you're building tiny log cabins in the 60s. But then by the 80s, you're building huge office buildings equivalent in, in, in programming. And then by the 90s, it's skyscrapers. You know, the sheer scale of the task had changed and like productivity had accelerated as well. So like it was tractable for t- teams, like you know, like uh, larger teams to take on larger and larger, like by, by orders of magnitude size projects. But then the nature of the game starts to, starts to change there because like in the 60s, you might, you might have a program that reads in a couple of lines of data from some file and it's, you know, relatively well-structured and it, it like does some math and then spits out a couple of numbers, right? Like back in the, back in the day, it was novel to get anything done. Like printing something to a screen was a six month kind of like research project. But you know, once once you're over that kind of stuff, like you start to get to things like, oh well, I want this gargantuan fucking mainframe system to process transactions in real time in in a bank and do all kinds of crazy shit, and it also has to send its data to all these other terminals, and like, that's just a whole other order of, of complexity, and so the, the 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 horizon of complexity just seems to keep receding into the distance. Like you kind of never really get control over the thing because once you've gotten control over the task that you were happy with in the 60s like shit's moved on guy you know you gotta keep going you gotta you gotta keep keep that complexity treadmill going because um those those tasks became trivial because like if you think of like you know you, you use like a, a linux or something like that like all of the baseline programs in that thing like the you know even shit like fucking bash or htop or whatever those were serious engineering efforts to make those work in the first place and then like but they're they're trivial by now you know it's all it's all crazy AI stuff these days in distributed systems. Um, so, you know, the management is trying to get everything under control while the actual task itself was spiraling out of control. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and of course, they were making money hand over fist uh, doing it. So there was this demand to find more and more things to turn into software. Yeah. Um, and like Waterfall just didn't keep up with any of these these things, right? Like this, this all outstripped the possibility of, of like waterfall. Like it, the waterfall methodology, it became more and more evident that it was getting in the way more than it was helping by this point, like in the nineties. Um, which brings us to the two thousands, um, 2001, uh, you get the agile manifesto from a bunch of, like the, the section is called, uh, khakis and dad jeans, which is, yeah, exactly right. Like it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of middle-aged, um, white, white guys in, in dad jeans obsessing over management in a hotel somewhere. Um, and they, they come up with this, this, this wonderful new kind of way of doing software development called agile. Yes. Who were, who were like, by, by 2001, it was just really obvious that this, this shit wasn't working out. And, um, as, as you said earlier, they, they must have been absorbing some, like, you know, Berian kind of stuff or, like, babies for cybernetics because, like, this, the, what they come up with does resemble that, you know, in a pretty serious way. Yeah, like, if you, if you read what they say, right, it's like, we are an uncovering better ways of developing software by doing it and helping others do it. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, like, learn, learning by doing, you know, helping helping others to do it, okay. Uh, through this work, we have come to value individuals and interactions over processes and tools. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. It's kind of like gets to the sort of like Iberian autonomy vibe and like 
the uh, the focus on system two uh, interactions, uh, working software over comprehensive documentation. Um, again, it's sort of like that sort of like a purpose of a system is what it does kind of mentality of like, well, if your purpose is to produce documentation, you're probably not doing the thing, right? You, you should have working software. Uh, customer collaboration over contract negotiation. Uh, that seems like a different thing. And I mean, it, it is like a system one thing, but it seems like a, di a different sort of field. Um, although I guess the, the collaboration thing is cybernetic in the sense of like being receptive to your environment. Right. It's the kind of like system four stuff. Yeah, that, that's what they kind of mean. I think that like they, they would rather talk directly to the customer and figure out what they need rather than rely on con contract negotiators to figure out what the spec is. Yes. Yeah. And they, then, they, they, want, they want that direct collaboration. Yes. And then uh, responding to change over following a plan, which is like 100 percent that like beery and focus on continuous planning, sensitivity to the environment, adaptation, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's like, that is, uh, sorry, they say finally, that is, well, there is value in the items on the right. We value the items on the left more. So these are our priorities, yeah. Yeah. And and this was this this was a, a huge challenge to these kind of, like, the, the evident failures of Waterfall, right? That, like, in, instead of following management's plan, it, it, the, the carefully constructed plan, you, you, you kind of chuck that and go go for like kind of sketchy roadmaps, and but then emphasizing like direct contact with the problem and making decisions on the fly rather than having everything planned out from the beginning. Um, big emphasis on adaptability, and I get like there's a huge emphasis on just like close contact, like it's it's high fidelity close contact with the thing you're making and the people you're making it for. Yeah, I, I think about this mentality uh, very much like contrasting with sort of like the BSD mentality, especially this this focus on documentation, right? Like working software over document comprehensive documentation, because like the BSD people are like obsessed with documentation quality, and they they also are like very much obsessed with this idea of like specifying a sort of perfect operating system and then like maintaining it. Uh, and yet like it doesn't really get used very much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th this, this ultimately gets kind of, th this ties in with that, like worse is better notion, right? Like, or the, um, the cathedral versus the bazaar, right? Like where on the one hand you, you have the, like the, the perfectly crystalline planned out like cathedral, like it's going to be fucking magnificent once it's done, but either, either it never gets finished or it does get finished and nobody gives a shit like, cause it's not actually useful versus, you know, the bazaar, which is the kind of like just swarming kind of mass of like human intelligence that just like, assembles something from out of nothing. Um, and the, the worst is better being that contrast between, yeah, the, the software paradigms that win out tend to be these like scrappy, um, half-working implementations that are useful enough to actually be useful versus, like, the the kind of technically better, you know, the, the Betamax versions that are, like, you know, yeah, they're technically superior, but, like, nobody cares, or, like, they're too late coming into the game to actually be useful to anyone. You know, for all kinds of reasons, the kind of Darwinian process of these things seems to tilt in favor of these worse-is-better solutions. And, like, 
yeah, there's a lot of that here as well, right? Like it's that kind of scrappiness and adaptability seem to win out over big plans. Yeah, and it's like people sort of people sort of like have a fascination with like BSD as like wow, what a what a incredible effort. What an incredible thing it is to be so so obsessed with maintaining its form and being you know being very obsessed with its form and the 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 the, the, the aesthetics of it uh and and the sort of like en- engineering principles that are brought to it but like it's kind of you can have that appreciation from afar without actually really doing anything with it. <laughs> yeah, like, who who actually runs BSD these days, you know what I mean? Like, nobody. Um, your fucking Wi-Fi card's not going to work if you install that shit. You know? uh, I, 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 I think the, the PlayStation 4 uh, operating system was a hack of BSD. Because You're quite right, it Because it uh, it's uh, a permissive license it's under, right? Yeah, so... But that that even that's like very much like we're making an appliance. This is an appropriate operating system for an appliance, right? Yeah. It's it's not gonna be receiving constant crazy updates from all over the internet. You know, it's gonna be it's it yeah, that that, that like platonic notion of it, it does fit much better. It's like it 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 receives a lot of updates, but the thing is its spec doesn't really change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's it's not getting like patches from like random contributors on like fucking you know the Linux kernel or whatever like that 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 very different philosophy yeah nobody's expecting your PlayStation to be the brains behind a microwave all of a sudden right like it's a games console with very specific functions and it's just going to do those things better over the course of its lifespan yeah exactly uh, but why why do better when you can do worse is better over the course of your lifespan <laughs> you know and i i, I also am a hundred percent certain that the uh software developers at sony did not follow the principles of bsd when developing the operating system after they had downloaded the uh, code base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just, they just unzipped <laughs> and got to work, right? Like, there's yeah, it's like, okay, let's get hacking. They're, they're not yeah. going to contribute back to the cathedral that way. Um, but um, the, the author here notes that this whole, this whole agile thing is very visibly like the frustrations of professional engineers, right? Like, um, but it's, it, these frustrations are not manifesting in like a demand for a union or anything along those lines. It's just a couple of concessions to allow them to work more efficiently. You know, they're, it, it's it's I I wanna I wanna do my boss's work even better you know like it's I'm not they're they're not like aligned against their boss here like even though like the frustration is with their bosses they're not aligned against them as such yeah the the focus isn't on I want to do work for my boss better it's I want to do the work better there's like a there's a kind of fetishization in like the Marxist sense where like the art and the craft of coding becomes ideologically separated from the environment in which it happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the ends to which it is put, right? It's, it's a dedication to the mission, you know, that, that kind of, that kind of thing is like, yes, 
Yes. The mission above all else, whatever the mission happens to be, that's what I'm dedicated to. Um, yeah, and so it's about like being the best craftsperson you can be, and and you know having the best tools, using the best methods, uh, working with the best people. Uh, that's the sort of mentality which has no necessary opposition. Like it, it has an opposition to management, but it has no necessary opposition to commodity production. Yes, precisely. And it's it's a kind of it's a weirdly like accelerationist kind of position where they're asking management to take the brakes off so that they can go faster and deliver harder and that kind of thing, right? Like where the Yes, 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 yes. The the strictures of the management paradigm are are restra- restraining the forces of production, you know? And you really want to unleash that bad boy. Yeah, that that's really the key thing with agile, right? Because you don't see that mentality in a lot of craft work. Like it's, you know, uh, if you're, if it's, if it's an artisan making like blown glass or tape, like wooden tables or, you know, uh, like hand blacksmithing, uh, hooks or whatever, uh, there is an inherent resistance towards speed up um, and a focus on just like, uh, you know, I do the thing the way that feels right to me and maybe it, it could be sped up. There's a certain standard of productivity that I need to meet in order to get myself fed, but it's not a part of the ethos, right? The ethos is more about slow work and all that kind of stuff. Now, uh, in Agile, because iteration um, and breaking down barriers is seen as in like conducive to the craft, it becomes aestheticized in a way it doesn't in most craft work. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Right. This kind of this kind of thing could only really have happened in high technology and computing, right? Like in 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 and around the nineties, right? Like that's just that that like that 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 general kind of like libidinal Landian fucking pulse that was through that industry. Like it it had to have been there and then, rather than anywhere else. Yeah, um, yeah, and and and, and it, I think it had to be. Um, it had to be networked and it had to be like service driven, I think are the, the key things there. Right. Cause like service driven means that the ends are constantly changing and network means that like flow becomes, becomes a, a, a positive value, a source of pleasure. Yeah. So I, I think that's definitely true, but it, it like, we kind of get there through a hop, a hop and a skip, right? Like where this, so it's 2001 where the Agile Manifesto comes out and this is like just around the kind of dot-com crash or whatever. And then it doesn't, it doesn't entirely catch on until the 2010s by, by, because it, management is obviously resistant to this kind of stuff. And like in, in the. That, that, mm, like that is true, but it does catch on in the people who are like among the people who are students in the early aughts. 
right? So those people aren't in the workforce yet. They haven't like actually managed to change the culture yet, but they are, there is like a growth in that period of time. And then it starts to become mainstream, right? In the 2010s. Yeah. There's like a kind of echo bounce to it where like you you can see how Agile suits the moment of 2001 and you can you can see how it got there. But then it, it's it's in the 2010s when you get to um, like the, the explosion of like venture capital funded software ventures and like the kind of the, the kind of recovery from the dot com crash. Like and you get this this acceleration again. Right. And now now you've got proper high speed Internet which wasn't quite there in to, in the early 2000s. Um, you've got v- venture capital money. You've got this, I don't know, just reconstitution of this like new um, high-risk, high-reward, move-fast-and-break-things computerized economy. That re- that's really when Agile like settles into its groove and gets um, really gets going. It becomes a common sense by then, you know? Yeah, I think I, so- I, think I kind of associate it with like that period where JavaScript sort of became everything. Um, it's the Ruby on Rails era, era and the early JavaScript. Yeah, right. Sorry. Yeah, that that would. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes, and then and then sub- subsequently the JavaScript frameworks are everything era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So that, that it it really comes into its own in the era when you know GitHub is being built on the back of Ruby on Rails and like JavaScript stuff is becoming a thing, and there's there's a moment there. You know, there's there's a really um, ephemeral kind of kind of moment that like continuously mutates from there. But like you you can you can see it sort of starting to bed in there. Um, yeah, and then you have like the uh, rise of like boot camps and sort of like alternative ways of expanding the labor force outside of the engineering paradigm in universities. And I think, I think it becomes, um, I think the reason it starts, one of the reasons it starts to take off in the 2010s is, and with the VC backing stuff is that there is this tilt towards services rather than products. Um, cause like 2001, you're still dealing a lot with boxed software being sold in stores for Windows, whatever. 2010s, you're talking much more of these like subscription-based um, services. Like it's it's everything's going through the web browser now. Yeah, and then there's like the 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 so-called like Web 2.0 period in between there, where it's sort of transition from one to the other. And I think Agile finds itself being more suited to the latter, even though it it sort of began in the era. Because like the, the, in the manifesto and the principles, they still talk about like delivering software products. You know, it's it's still in that kind of mindset of like there's going to be a launch, maybe with some iteration, but there's um, and the project is going to have a defined kind of start and end date. Even though it's not the waterfall thing, it still kind of has this like, it has these terminal points, and that th- th- it actually is better suited to the continuous, ongoing subscription-based, service-based kind of computer computer stuff that comes along a bit later so it, it, it finds its groove in that um there's also some notes here on that like the, the kind of the kind of like culture or the mindset that goes along with this like you have you have like wired magazine you know to the 2010s version and this kind of like you know free thinking non-conformist like notion of like uh, of the, the the programmer right the, this is a real dude bro programmer shit you know um, uh, very libertarian yeah meritocracy like this this is the fucking stuff that they're they're all about right and it's like it's an anti management stance but it's not in any way anti corporate 
Um, and in this way, it's it's kind of funny, right? Because it, it kind of struck me is that's like, as much as I hate the kind of like PMC term, this is a kind of intra-PMC warfare that's being conducted, you know? Um, which, um, you know, there's there's like a kind of, a, a, professional, a professional strata is like, you know, sticking the the sticking its heels into the the, the management strata and stuff. Like, there's a real kind of like, um, I don't know. There's there's something kind of funny going on there. As much as I think the the whole PMC concept is kind of crap. Yeah, I mean, I I think that it's unusual only in the sense that like um, had some success. Because like, if you go like it into any, that's <laughs> the weird thing. If you go into any professional setting or uh uh let's say craft setting the workers are going to complain about management and consider them to be a impediment to their jobs right um but in this case the this this grievance became a ideology and a method and actually changed the corporate culture to some degree which is something you usually don't see. I think. I think the thing that makes the difference here seems to be that it was, it was also very evident that the way things were done wasn't actually working. And then the the venture capitalists are pouring money into these ventures really needed to actually deliver. And it seemed by probably by accident that Agile was actually delivering, and that there was a kind of an actual like revolution in the mean in the systems of production sort of thing going on here that like. Um, but without that, it it wouldn't have succeeded. Like I think it needed the buy-in because, like, basically, like the VC money would chase d- deliberately chase these small, scrappy startups doing agile for for investment, and would just wouldn't even fucking touch a Sun or an Oracle. You know, like no way are we we gonna sully ourselves with that kind of stuff. You know, um, without that productivity boost and that kind of like you know revolution in the system of production or whatever it it would have been dead on its ass like yeah yeah I, I i don't think it's so much an issue of working or not working it because you know there there have been so many uh things vcs have invested in that like don't really work per se uh but it, it it's the importance of like getting something to market, creating my like capturing mind space, uh, being able to pivot, uh, like that, um, transferring from a pitch to something that can attract in investment and like maintain a constant presence, uh, I think is, is really key to why agile is attractive over waterfall. Uh, cause like, you know, there's plenty of industries where things don't work and they could conceivably be better, but why in this one did people care enough to actually change the methods of work as opposed to just doing what everybody else does and suffering with bureaucratic dysfunction? Yeah, so was it just that the moment demanded speed and that Agile was, it, even if it was even if it was worse than Waterfall on, on any number of metrics, it was faster. And that was the thing that was important to VCs. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it may, it may produce better software. I'm just saying that there are so many, there are so many places that skilled people work in 
where there is a uh, very little translation from a problem with methods to a change in methods because because the inertia is so strong um yeah and and for for management to tolerate this kind of thing like this like really serious threat to their authority the payoff had to have been pretty serious you know but you know management gets their revenge ultimately right like um we kind of, even with Agile, we still fall into the same old tar pits, right? Like, um, it's still pretty fucking hard to actually develop stuff. Um, the, Agile also suffers from some particular pathologies where it's, because we break things down into these very small, like, micro-tickets and um, and then focus on speed, it can be very easy to get lost and kind of miss the big picture. Like, you get kind of missing the wood for the trees or whatever. Um and projects kind of run aground in a different way now where, you know, you, you just have this, like, sandstorm of tiny particles of, like, work units, but, like, there's no coherence to the to the overall thing. Um, yeah, nobody actually knows what they're doing. Um, like, it as a collective aim, right? Uh, they're just they're just kind of, like, find, identifying problems and solving them uh without actually thinking where they're going right is is the 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 criticism here and it, it can it can amount to a kind of um organizational lobotomy in some ways that like you can kind of end up with like not really a kind of zombie process that is is good at churning through this like um pile of chicken feed little tickets or whatever um but is is not actually producing anything coherent in the end um there's plenty of discontent about agile, right? Like that it's 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 not really as liberatory as an experience as was promised, and like I don't know, like in qualitatively, there's not much of a difference between like the Sisyphean task of like working on some waterfall thing versus the Sisyphean task of like shoveling this fucking pile of gravel from one place to another, um, which is what working in an agile kind of environment often feels like, where you're kind of losing losing the sense of like what the hell you're actually doing. Um, and instead focusing on these tiny pebbles that are just fucking everywhere and you have to deal with them all the time, you know? Um, there's also a lot of problems here of, like, this... Agile has become this, like, agile industrial complex. Like, there's no shortage of, like, consultants who are trying to fucking come in and, and fleece you for training and all this kind of shit about, like, something that was supposed to be a very lightweight thing. Like, it was... You, you look at the manifesto and the principles, there's not much there, you know, and you can probably figure out how to apply them. But, like, you know, the... the 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 kind of like methodologies that get called agile, like Scrum and all this kind of stuff, are often they're often much heavier than the waterfall methodolo- methodologies they were replacing. Um, yeah, at least as a uh, sort of like like system to kind of like operational principles thing, it's it's much more uh, like oh you have to inculcate like this whole mindset about how to work and then. Um, and then there is, there's so much communication around the work uh, that that becomes its own kind of complexity, right? Where it, whereas, like you know, your manager coming and saying, uh, like very much in the way that uh, like video games are developed, right? I need you to make this axe, right? Like this axe asset, make axe assets for fifty days. That is your specification. You now go do it. It's, it's much simpler than, you know, 
being in an agile system where you're creating micro tickets, fixing all these things, you know, having stand-ups, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You, you got to have a check-in meeting about the exact shape of the axe. And like, you know, that, 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 um, that imperative way of doing things can, can kind of feel like there's more honor in, in that way of working rather than like debasing yourself by talking about the fucking task constantly. You know, there's, um, you, you can you can get a lot of resentment out of that kind of process. Um, you can kind of actually crave a, a more straightforward and and uh, imperative kind of mode of working, actually, <laughs> which is which is kind of weird. Um, it's kind of like that kind of gets to a thing here that it's it's kind of demeaning, like you know, and it's it when you describe this kind of stuff, it like feel it's other professionals find this demeaning. Like there's a thing here where the author talks about like describing a stand-up to a lawyer friend and they were just like stunned it's like why would you put up with that shit like are you know why not treat each other like human beings like it it, it felt like to other professionals this seems like an insane way to to to, to behave yourselves um and the, a lot of the the problems here kind of ultimately fall, fall down to like this is a thing that takes the shape of the container it's poured into, in part because Agile is kind of underspecified, and like it, it's inevitably poured into these hierarchical corporate structures, and so it takes on the shape of that container. And so that, that the problem of the imposition of management and, and all this kind of stuff, it doesn't disappear at all. In fact, it reappears in all these kind of ways that like, you know, stand-ups as a form of labor discipline and surveillance, story points as a kind of bootleg tailorism, um, which, you know, give me the real version. At least there's some sort of fucking, like, there's some respect in that. But look, they don't give me the bootleg version of Taylorism, you know? Um, yeah, it's very much that, like, uh, it it has, it, it, it's kind of like Soviet ideology in the sense that it's like, it has the formal structure of workers' liberation, but at the same time, it, doesn't have the substance right and like everything is kind of like said in bad faith um uh where it's like oh yes uh we'll all be you know self-organized and agile but by that we mean actually uh you're going to be assigned a pm and they're going to manage this uh agile process <laughs> and you are expected to display participation in the management without actually making any substantial decisions absolutely right and like in, in so many cases like the kind of product management layer just like just ha it, it predictably like has all the kind of like like again that Borg Queen sort of style of of like creative autonomy and like deciding what the product is and gets to do the the design and all that kind of stuff. Um and then as developers you're kind of just reduced to like drone like kind of following of these like uh these these plans that are handed down from above. So it it, it definitely still resembles it like it's not an accident that it still resembles the waterfall kind of structure because it's the same it's the same corporate structure. It's the same mode of production like that's going to happen one way or the other. One of the kind of differences now, I guess, is that like in the in the early days, like the two thousands, twenty tens, agile was being taken up by self organizing teams, you know, of of workers. But today, agile is always imposed from above by management, and that's got to get you thinking, right? Like if manage if the management is so keen on this thing, why is that, right? Because they have found their way to you know impose control, like if. I don't know, like, I mean, you could you could ask a lot of developers and they'd tell you they'd, 
they'd prefer not to do this agile shit. Like, they'd actually, they'd welcome a break from this kind of stuff, but it's demanded by their superiors. Yeah, because you... It, it it's uh it reminds me a lot actually of like um like masking if you're neurodivergent right because like you have to put on a mask of being a participatory member of your workplace uh you have to like sort of publicly perform for everyone else a state of mobilization and intelligence when there's no substance to that. So faking it is more exhausting than doing it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, right? And, like, this kind of reminded me of a thing, like, so earlier in the piece they mentioned, like, in the 90s kind of framing, they mentioned, like, films like Office Space or whatever, where you have, like, the disaffected um, programmers working in the kind of waterfall framework. I think you could just reshoot that film today, but with Agile as the backdrop, and it wouldn't change the substance of it in any way. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it would It would be largely the same film. Yeah, they, w- they would probably they would probably just be richer. They would be a bit richer, yeah. They would have um, a bit more... <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> a bit more of that Silicon Valley kind of, like, um, cachet to them. But that, that, that's got to tell you something, right? That, like, they're just... In, in substance, uh, for your experience as a worker, there just hasn't really been any change. Um, and, yeah, it's... Um, there are, it turns out there are serious limits to this kind of autonomy and creativity that's promised by this thing um and like you you have the freedom you know quotes freedom to pick any stone from this pile of gravel but you don't have the freedom to really participate in the design of the pile of gravel or like question why or what the fuck you're doing it's um yeah it, it's it's very much in line with that assignable curiosity concept from uh from disciplined minds you know um yeah that's i mean that's the ideal agile developer right is like the person who is enthusiastic has assignable curiosity and doesn't like think twice about the structure they're involved in mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um yeah. So the article kind of concludes with the, with some of these things, right? This the the kind of brewing next crisis in in software, um, you know, in the long string of crises, and it's gonna it's a lot of this kind of stuff, right? Like this huge skepticism about this this freedom promised by agile. In practice, a lot of folks just don't act like have have long fairly long careers of actually working this way, and they just don't like it at all. Uh, really, um, at the end of it all. Um, there's also some interesting points here about like the role of agile in like toxic workplace cultures like that um there's a notable lack of diversity in who formulated this thing and like you can kind of see the gaps where like you know if if you're somebody who's in any way sensitive to these kind of things that like it's kind of obvious how this would be applied for like bullying and discrimination in the workplace right um, yeah there's a lot of these sort of like specific techniques they mention like pair programming you know can be unsafe right because it it's this isolated social circumstance and there there's it's one of those things where it's like it can be quite high tension because... Because it feels like being on a fucking chain gang, you know? Yeah, you're, like, under surveillance all the time, right? Uh, and then there's, like, uh, yeah, like they say here, these retrospectives are similar to struggle sessions. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very... Yeah, it's very, like, 
uh, very cult-like uh, in that sense, right? Where it's like, oh, I must confess my sins. Um, like this imposed confession, uh, very sort of Catholic, but you don't even get the dignity of having it in a private booth. You don't get the cool aesthetics either, so what's the fucking point, you know? It's the only cool thing about Catholicism. That's <laughs> right. You don't get that weird. You don't get that weird, massive sculpture that Pope Francis was sitting in front of the other day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, you gotta love that shit. It's so cool. It's okay. I'll just. I'll just. I just uh, expect from software to appropriate the aesthetics for me, and then uh, re- re- recycle it into a. Uh, a commodified secular form. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, a code review is also a huge fucking problem in many ways. Like, I mean, like talk, it, it, you know, tune into any of this kind of like uh, women in tech stuff or like being a person of color in tech. And this will come up over and over again that like of a code review being this way for the fucking bro dudes to show off and, um, and uh, and tear down their 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 colleagues and like it's it's a kind of thing you just have to fucking endure. Um, and like you know, there's a wonderful point here that like you know, um, eliminating bureaucracy, hierarchy, and documentation can feel good, but it, it feels good until you're a person who needs those rules for protection. You know, like bureaucracy and hierarchy and process and stuff like that. You know, it's kind of can be a kind of a, uh, maybe not the hierarchy part, but like some sort of organizational structure. Um, and limits to the kind of make, move fast and break things mentality um, can be pretty essential. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 hierarchy in the Burian sense, right? Like just yeah, the functional hierarchies. Yeah, it's like yeah, you kind of need that uh, in order to account for variety, and if you don't account for that variety then people are going to use ad hoc solutions like just rampantly bullying people who are different because they don't understand them and feel like they can take advantage of them, which they often can. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and like, you know, what a wonderful kind of historical double echo where like, you know, um, women found the, 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 the kind of the foundations of computing and then we're, we're, chucked out because you don't want these broads having that kind of power and then you know a couple of decades later you're back in that kind of thing where it's just fucking intolerable to be a, a woman in this kind of in this kind of industry in most most workplaces um yeah and and uh, by saying like you know this this hierarchy can be protective of people who need it we're not in any way saying that uh hr is a good thing um because they're almost always narcs so yeah, HR is your enemy, but um, there's there's definitely a toxicity that comes out when you, um, you know, take a bunch of uh, of of dude bros and you tell them, hey, look, you're empowered engineers now, you can just fucking do your own thing autonomously and move fast and break things, meritocracy, all that kind of crap goes with it. It's it's the libertarian mindset that got jammed onto this thing that's more of the problem, more so than like the agile stuff itself so much. I mean, although. Like, looking at some of these methodologies, like, as a woman or a person of color or whatever, you can kind of see stuff that the people writing it might not see. Um, but also, the, 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 the thing here in this paragraph is about the, the roles that this stuff has played in these toxic cultures. And, like, the libertarian bullshit mindset is, is the other half of the equation there. There's also some fun calling out of, like, the, 
the roles that this probably played in like infamous failures in the tech industry, so like Facebook and the Cambridge Analytica scandal, all these kind of scandals over like ethics in tech versus move fast and break things. Um, the the like pathological design of social media, it's it's you can kind of see how that might fall out of an agile process. Um, yeah, I, I I thought a lot about, or I thought recently about this this sort of thing where. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I, I just love the way you just like contrasted thinking a lot about something versus thinking recently. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, it's quite uh, wonderful. I, I, I was, uh, I was thinking. Like, I, I guess what I would say is, I wasn't th- thinking a lot, but I was thinking deeply uh, for a shorter period of time recently, and I, I confused intensity with uh, quantity. Was the problem there? These are the two modes of thought. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah, I was thinking about this conversation I had with my friend one time where I was like, you know, he, he was, he was like, um, well, you know, what is your specific plan for communism? If you think communism is a good solution to the social problems we have now. And I was sort of like, well, you can't really like specify this kind of thing in detail in advance. Cause it'll never work. Like you really, you really need to kind of like adapt and yes, you need to get your principles down. Yes. You need to like do your research on sort of prior, uh, art, uh, prior examples, and you need to understand your situation. Uh, but you can't be like, uh, here is my grand utopia. I have designed it down in every, uh, every little detail and I will now implement it. Uh, that's just ridiculous. Right. Um, and he was like, well, that's, you know, he was like, that's, that's absurd. Like, you know, why would anyone, why would anyone do communism if you can't give them a plan that will reassure them? And then I was like, yeah, but like tech basically did that for like 30 years, like just kind of had social license to fuck up any, part of society they wanted to because they were like the vanguard of progress. Um, so like it, it, it's, it's not that the, like that objection to communism isn't really substantive. It's more just like, I don't buy into the libidinal investment in this project. Right. Yeah. And like, um, yeah, it, it, it comes from a kind of assumption that like, um, that like the world as, and like capital as we experience it now is not already a vortex of anarchic fucking insanity, you know? Um, and that like the, the, the process of communization might well actually be much more sober and well thought out <laughs> than the kind of shit we have to endure, you know? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe, you know, hopefully, but like... I would hope so. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's a total inversion, right? Like it's, um, and it's, it's, it's a kind of like, do people not see the just devastation and chaos around them today? You know, like by, by what fucking yardstick are they measuring this thing? It's crazy, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Like, it's just, it's like, oh, but that's just how move fast and break things works. It's clearly all for the good, right? (laughs) Yeah. I find this, it's an interesting, it's a very interesting split, right? In that, like, um, um, yeah, like, I, I kind of, 
obviously in the concept of revolution there's there's the you know big the, the big break and this kind of like um you know high variety kind of process that goes on but the, the thing that it's in service of is actually kind of like um like humane order and like peace you know like not not in the service of like um of like endless destruction but like that's the thing we're stuck with is this like machine that just continuously fucking destroys things but it's its operation is taken to just be natural and and unremarkable and the the prospect of like you know human beings like seizing control of history and imposing peace on ourselves would actually it seems insane to some people for some fucking reason you know so yeah i mean it's easy to draw that through line between like agile and it's like Landy and imperative to remove the brakes on the process of production um, and just like, allow it to accelerate and move fast and break things and like the kind of yeah the 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 chaotic structures of technology that we we actually use and the kind of um, general chaos in society it seems to have caused um, and then this only gets worse with machine learning and shit like that you know yeah like having having no real concern for implications of actions or why you're doing something uh, is very like consistent with the logic of capital. Yeah. Like, cause we've been saying that like in agile, you get kind of lost in the details and you kind of lose the big picture and you're kind of enslaved to these small details, but that actually might like for, for this kind of technological capital might, might be a strategy actually that like it, it's, it's way of, um, it's way of freeing itself is to lobotomize itself in this way that like, there's, there's kind of reference here to these like chains of deniability in that, like, you know, at every point on the assembly line, nobody is taking full responsibility for what the team is creating. Um, that's very clear and agile, but it gets even worse when you mix in like machine learning and shit like that, where it's like, it, it, it goes from a chain of deniability to like a smoke screen where the operation of the thing is just completely obscured behind this like cloud of of small tickets and and things like that and you gotta like that has to be it's it's adaptive for these systems it's not adaptive for us as a society but these systems seem to thrive on being able to deploy these smoke screens yeah and even if you look at like the vcs who are kind of like the brains that are coordinating these investments um they have the deniability of like, I'm hands off, you know, like I'm, I, I just, I just provide the money. I just look for profit, you know, like I, I don't, I'm not the one who's actually doing Cambridge Analytica um, and so on. It's, it's, it's that, it's that, that, that's that thing. That's just like characteristic of um, our contemporary society as a whole, where like, uh, there's a lot of sense that power is completely distributed and responsibility is nowhere. Yeah, that's. It, I think that's that's really interesting, and I, I think we we don't take the concept of deniability and disavowal seriously enough as like a functional adaptation in these systems. That like there's there's something to be gained from doing that, from playing dumb. It's 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 very important to uh, have people like go along to get along. Um, having some amount of ability to engage in uh, deniability and disavowal is is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, 
And um, I guess where I'm going with that is that, like, when we see this, and we see these kind of, like, structures of deniability and disavowal, we have to recognize them as being somehow adaptive for that system and for those people. Um, Like, there's a reason they latched onto this. You know, it might even not be a conscious reason. Like, like there's there's something about it in the kind of Darwinian pressure cooker of capital that like forces the thing this way, um, and and builds these things into the into the into the system. That's the systems that survive. Um, yeah, and 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 the, the the obsession with method and craft um, over, uh, like awareness or um judgment uh is also just like very conducive to this approach to life (laughs) yeah absolutely it's like oh if i'm just optimizing things all the time then like i never actually have to think about what i'm doing where i'm doing it whom i am affecting and so on who i'm doing it to Yeah, yeah yeah um and then, with all that said, then the, the the article does kind of close off on a sort of semi-positive note that, like, the kind of the concepts behind agile still kind of have this potential to foster solidarity among workers, right? Like, because we can still in in this disappointment and disillusionment with how agile actually turned out, we can still point back to self-organization, you know, open communication and worker organization, and that kind of like hostility to management. It's just that, like. This this iteration actually didn't work out for us, and we need to you know turn our, our turn our hearts to the gospels of beer and Marx instead. You know, yeah, like I don't think, um, I don't think that uh, responding to these failings by demanding to be dominated uh, more openly and explicitly is something that people like we want waterfall again that kind of shit yeah like yeah exactly or like you know is essentially something like it like well we're you know we're we're not going to have project managers anymore we're going to have uh you know uh disciplinarians <laughs> project commissars you know <laughs> yeah yeah they love, <laughs> we'll have people's commissars who will go around and, and do this work um i guess probably in uh in uh in software studios in China, they probably literally do have uh, commissars in, in the company at Tencent, uh, yeah, working there. Or like TikTok, you know, is, is ran by the fucking military or whatever, yeah. Yeah, 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 so, uh, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think people are going to demand direct domination in that way, um, so that means that, like, the ways forward are fairly constrained in what they might be in terms of looking for a better way of working. Kind of needs substantive uh, liberation or, I don't know, like, I I, I just can't see, like, as long, like, I guess the other thing would just be to, um like utterly break the power of software developers so that they do labor exactly like management originally wanted them to uh, and 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 ha- don't have any say in the matter as opposed to having this like fictitious participation that is, uh, uh, you know, providing 
ideological cover that allows the the, the machine to run. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of think like that, um, you know, as, as much as we can point out the problems of Agile, it does seem to be still working out for management. Like it's, it, it, it's, it's in a crisis from our perspective, but it doesn't seem to be in a terminal crisis from the perspective of like the companies. And so I don't know that there's much like, cause, cause like waterfall and that kind of shit ran aground on it actually, it actually sucking and being really bad at delivering things. But like these machines seem to actually kind of be more or less working. I mean, like we still have these problems that like software development's really difficult. It's still hard to tame this complexity. Um, even with agile, it's it's still really difficult for it to get to get it under control. But like, until there's like a crisis in that in that like productive space, like at, until there's a make and make or break moment similar to that make or break moment between waterfall and agile, I, I kind of don't know that there's going to be much uh, much room for a, for a big change there. Un- unless there's like a you know revolutionary transition, in which case like yeah, it's it's going to happen <laughs> one way or the other. But um. In the absence of that, I, I don't. I don't know that the managers need to change very much to like appease anyone. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe it's just like this. That this boost just grinds on your head forever, and um, you know, the agile is just the long now. You know, of of the way things are done, um, and you just kind of accept the discipline at some point. I think there's like uh, a sort of broader uh, ideological project or imaginary that uh, facilitates the functioning of, of Agile um, and sort of like with the tech lash, that kind of stuff, it does kind of weaken its grip in a way because people are much less likely to be true believers, right? You get into that kind of like late Soviet phase with people <laughs> just like, you know... Going through the motions. Uh, like they pretend to pay us and we pretend to work kind of cynicism. Uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, that is, I think undermining it to some degree, but yeah, of course you don't get workers autonomy without like workers organizing without, without labor essentially changing the situation. Um, it's not going to be management that changes it because, you know, like open source or like agile, it is actually uh beneficial for them. Yeah, definitely. And like um kind of like situating this historically, like it's kind of easy to see how for um like in in the 90s workers organizing was to- or like in the 90s and 2000s workers organizing was off the fucking table entirely. Like the the Berlin Wall was down, Soviet Union was fucking gone. You know, it's 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 it, you can kind of understand how things went this way, but like we're back we're back in a very different historical moment now where uh, workers organizing is back on the table in a big way. I mean, it's not we don't yet have a serious kind of workers movement, but like the percolations are visible there, and also like all of this other shit from the nineties has has run out of steam in a big way. Um, so it's I mean, uh, fucking workers even in tech are turning to unionizing which is a big, big change. Like, that's that's the big thing there, that, like, the Agile folks never fucking thought for a moment that trying to pursue a union was was even remotely fucking viable. Like, I, I would wager it never entered their, their heads because that's, that's crazy talk in fucking 2001. But, you know, in 
in 2022, it's it's not crazy talk anymore, you know. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the 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 work has become so much more ubiquitous and common. Um, it, it it's just not the same as it was in the 90s, where it was it was a uh, a bit of a a bit more of a niche thing, um, and a and a bit more like it was it was easier to imagine yourself in that libertarian mode that drove the whole agile uh, revolution. It was a very elite thing, certainly. Um, and it's, it's much more proletarianized by now. Um, and I mean, it's, it, it's, it's not the bottom of the ladder by any stretch, but it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, it's definitely much more of a normal sort of thing. Um, and just doesn't, yeah, that, that's a big change too, right? Like that you don't have quite so much of the same, or, or at least like compared, like if you, if you think, take like the bulk of software developers and count them up, like you get comparatively less of the kind of labor aristocracy sort of tier in there. Like they're, they're outnumbered quite a bit now by just like proles who happen to, you know, edit code in Vim all day, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Um... I thought this was a fun article. Do we have much much else to to say about it? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think as you said, we could maybe follow up on it with this this sort of talk about um, disciplining creativity. Uh, but uh, I I think yeah, it's it's a nice intro to the subject. Uh, although it does sort of elide the whole like. <laughs> exclusion of women from the entire industry chapter of the history, which I thought was a little bit shocking, but, um, cause it is like directly pertinent to why or how this thing played out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, um, it's good to sort of like check back in with these things that talk about like specific, uh, processes or, or methods or practices in tech, uh, and, how they relate to the broader uh, happenings that we're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's good stuff. Um, I like Logic Magazine. That's a good magazine. Everyone should go check it out. Um, they have a lot of this kind of stuff in it, uh, which is very refreshing. Um, and I don't know. You just don't. You don't get a lot of. You don't get a lot of this. Or maybe I don't know. Maybe it's more of a thing now to do this kind of tech criticism from the left sort of stuff. But. Um, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm very acclimated to just not having any of that available. Um, so it, it's, it's all, it's, it feels surprising to me, perhaps, uh, even, though, even though it shouldn't. Yeah, and I mean, like, blogging isn't as much of a thing as it used to be. And so this kind of, like, essay format stuff, as opposed to, like, Twitter threads or YouTube video essays, um, is, is a little bit unusual. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, God, I miss blogs. They were cool. Um, I, I miss, I miss like reading things that were not generated by the sort of bizarre, like vortex of, of crazy shit that is Twitter, you know, or like t Twitter threads and, and stuff like that. And like, and just, the, I don't know, there's, there's something like, there's something about the contemporary internet that's just like very different on a tactile kind of level. And like, it, it seems to hit your brain very differently. Yeah, it, it's very uh, opening the water hose and just like 
blasting concepts and images at you uh, as opposed to that sort of front-to-back article format. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I should probably just quit the internet um, and <laughs> commit myself to only reading PDFs of, of magazines that are, are um, sent to my inbox this time. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will have my, I will have my uh, PDFs delivered over Usenet. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, <laughs> no web interactions. Um, I, I will log in with my Usenet client and uh, download <laughs> them. Oh, yes. fuck. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks listeners for coming along with us on, on this, uh, this little journey. It's, um, it's good to be back after summer break. Um, we've got some, we've got some stuff planned out for the rest of the year. So, um, it's going to be a bit of fun. Um, while you wait for the next episode, you can, uh, visit our website, generalintellectunit.net. Um, you can find us on Twitter at GIUnitPod. We're on Facebook and we're on all the podcast apps. So, you know, do the subscription thing, you know, subscribe and download some other episodes um i think this one will be episode 91 which is pretty shocking um we've we've a big back catalog if you're if you're just joining us for 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 now like there's a lot there's a lot of shit back there um it's it's largely good um um i actually like i scrolled through the fucking archive um a couple of weeks ago and i was just like wow i don't remember half of this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> conversations I've completely forgotten um, uh, and I was I was surprised there were so much of it I guess that's the thing it's like 91 is a pretty high number um, I guess we should do something for number 100 yeah I don't know um, like what what the fuck would we do <laughs> because we could do we could either do something very um, I don't know we, we could do we could do like um, we do something you'd expect somehow like something that would make sense or we could le- we could read volume two of Schwang or something like that, like, <laughs> fucking completely out there. Just get into like the hist- the history of capitalist accumulation in China for some reason, um, <laughs> and and make make it insufferable for for episode one hundred. Um, I don't know. We should think about that. Like, what do we want to do for the hundred? I'm not I'm not very good at throwing parties for myself, so I'll have to I'll have to give it some thought. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's see if anything comes to the surface. Um, I'll um, I'll give it I'll give it some thought. Um, <laughs> we could we could just have a, get the whole emancipation gang on a fucking like Zoom call and just just drink and like just talk shit about whatever. Record that for a couple of hours. Yeah, or we we could record something live while I'm in uh, Europe, uh, if it's if it's possible. Oh shit, maybe. Yeah. Let's look into that. That could be fun. If we're not dealing with, like, energy blackouts and shit like that in this winter. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so we began. Uh, it's like, I, I am, we are recording this in the bunker. Uh, and it's it's strange to think back that we we began recording this show in the before times. Uh, yeah, yeah the, the long before times. Yeah. Uh, back when there was fuel. Oh, shit. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> While you wait for us to figure that out as well, you can um, check out our sister shows on the Emancipation Network. Um, if you go to emancipation.network, you can find the links from there. Um, there's some absolutely fabulous shows there. Um, from Alpha to Omega, Mortal Science, Swampside Chats, and Jumpsuit Utopia. They are fantastic. Um, I'll, uh, I'll also just give a shout-out to uh, my new game, uh, Dragons and Traveler's Tales, which... 
will be available on itch. Uh, if you just look for dragons and travelers tales in Google, you can find it. Uh, and it is a tabletop RPG for two people. It's very much based on all of the cybernetic ideas that we've come up with on this show. Uh, there is heavily informed the design. Uh, I would say it, it's not explicitly there, but it is definitely implicitly there. Um, so yeah, it's about, you know, using cybernetics to make a game that is a framework for world building, uh, and character creation. It, you essentially, uh, play with each other and together make a world, fill it with characters and get these little like fantasy story chapters that are about personal growth and that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, it is coming out on, uh, I believe September 15th. Uh, so yeah, check it out, please. Very nice. I was going to ask if you did, if you did like, you know, use cybernetics or or whatever to do it, but like, yeah, that, that actually sounds really cool. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was very much like thinking about, okay, like, you know, uh, what is the interaction between these people in this particular role? How does it contribute to the broader system? Like, what is the flow between the different phases of play? You know, how how are how are these different phases like changing the way that people operate and relate to each other? And how does this all sort of fit together into a big process um, that is is ultimately sort of focused on? Yeah, like a better world and uh and and you know growing as a person as you play the game about growing as a person. Uh <laughs> it's very uh recursive in that sense. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Fantastic. God, that does sound cool. Um yeah, absolutely check that out. Um that that, that does sound that, that that sounds phenomenal, yeah. Can't wait to get my hands on it. It's pretty good. I would say it's pretty good. I think it's one of the best things I've written. Yeah. Fantastic. Very good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do we have anything else? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, on From Alpha to Omega, we've started recording the uh, Understanding Class series again. So I don't think it's really the 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 releases have really been interrupted that much because Tom has such a massive podcast black- backlog. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's going again. We're, 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 we're getting through it. So if you want to go check out that show, um, I am on there still. That is an, that is an excellent show. Um, and, um, I've been, I've been enjoying those, those episodes as they've been coming out. Um, yeah, well worth checking out. Um, uh, yeah, so I I think that's probably it. Um, in which case, uh, thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye.